Welcome to today's teaching service. You're listening to the First Century Apostolic Church FCAC Temagana. We preach, teach, and live the complete and unadulterated Word of God with genuine miracles, signs, and wonders taking place at every meeting with the Holy Spirit. Our aim is to follow in the steps of the apostles and disciples of the First Century Church founded by our Lord Jesus. Prepare yourselves, therefore, for a powerful encounter with the Word and power of God brought to you by Reverend Dr. V.C.Y. Edwards, the General Overseer of FCAC. He is a seasoned man of God who is blessed with a powerful teaching and deliverance ministry. I encourage you, therefore, to join us every Tuesday at our teaching services at 7 p.m. prompt. You will be truly blessed. God bless you as you join us in the service. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Shall we all put our hands together for Jesus? And let's say thank you, Jesus. Let's say thank you, Holy Spirit. And thank you, Father. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, our Father who art in heaven, we gather here with thanksgiving tonight. And we do so in the name of our Lord Jesus. The Lord, we might show ourselves to you in your holy sanctuary, that you might receive us again into your presence. Give us your word. Grant us to receive more and more of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I might leave here more blessed than before. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all be seated. From this evening, I want to begin a series on... Um, Evidence of holiness. Evidence of holiness. And uh, today we're dealing with part one, which is more or less the introductory part. And next week we're going to do part two. And um, first, first of July, we conclude with a part three. So evidence of holiness. And for our text, let's all go to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Just two verses. Evidence of holiness. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Evidence of holiness. It is true that many, if not all Christians, who claim to be holy, all believers may claim to be holy in the sight of God. Remember that holiness is not the sight of man or men, but how God sees you. It is God who decides whether you are or you are not holy. But we have his word. We have enough rating, enough instruction in the word of God to show us the way to be holy and to live lives, our lives in holiness. Evidence of holiness. We are going to therefore look at as the title says, things that you can see in yourself or things that you can see in your neighbor, your brother and sister, that will point to the fact that that brother or sister is holy. And it's all based on the word of God. Evidence of holiness. What we see in the holy person. That's what it means. Nibuetam, Teshin, Tema, and Mishekam. So we need to look at this, these teachings very, very carefully. Because see, the holy ones, the holy ones are those who are separated unto God as living sacrifices. Holy ones are those... Uh, only those who are separated, consecrated to God as living sacrifices. Looking at the text that we have just read, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. So this, this word, as most of the Bible is, is addressed to Believers, addressed to us, those who have taken on Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, the phrase, by the mercies of God here, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, means that in the light of God's great plan of salvation, in, in view of God's great mercies that he has shown towards us, when you consider you and I, when we consider the 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 the, the the, the, the huge mercy, the, 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 the extent of mercy that God has shown to us, bringing us where we are and taking us to where we're going, 
especially the benefits, the benefits that these mercies bring to us. We need to respond. The simplest way we can respond to God having shown us such great mercy and benefits is by presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. That is the least. That is a reasonable way of responding to what God has initiated towards us. God initiated his salvation plan by his mercies and by his grace. When we were sinners, we were enemies of God, God took the initiative to reconcile man to himself. We couldn't have done it. And that paved the way for us to one day be where God is in heaven. That paved the way to, for us to receive a lot of benefit blessings in this life. And when you consider these mercies, such abundant grace and the benefit that we get from God, then uh, the least a reasonable way of responding to God's grace is by presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. The Bible says, which is your reasonable service. That is what, what, what the least that we can do. You see, our act of consecration that is being set apart in holiness. Consecration means being set apart, being separated. Separated from the world in holiness is a supreme form of godly service. The act of responding God's mercies, God's benefit, God's grace by Consecrating ourselves, setting ourselves apart, taking ourselves out of the godly system, and presenting ourselves as living sacrifices in holiness, such as is acceptable to God. Beloved, is the most supreme form of godly worship godly service. Don't forget that. And this is where or that is why, this is where and that is where most people who call themselves Christians feel. Because they, they find it difficult to, to go through that act of consecration, separation, setting themselves apart in holiness, giving sacrifice. says, we know that it is the most supreme godly service or worship of God. Praise the Lord. And, church, this act is physical. Remember that the act of consecration, holiness, living in holiness to God, number one, is physical. It is not, we'll come to that part, but it begins with being physical. 
It's physical. But when you say you are holy, or I'm holy, when you claim to be holy, remember there is a physical component. There is a physical part that goes with holiness. And what is this physical part? Because our bodies, which is physical, material, is presented in worship. The physical part is feeling the joy, willingness, not by compulsion, not by being forced, not by being forced, not by compulsion, not by coercion. You yourself willingly, happily presenting your physical body in, in worship, in godly service, worship. It means that every time you come before God, you are fulfilling the, this physical part. You are fulfilling this physical part of consecration in holiness. It's a holy act. And for that reason, it's not all who can come before God in a Holy Ghost-filled church, in a Spirit-filled church, very few find it palatable, enjoyable. Very few find it a joy. Looking forward. They're looking forward, looking forward to the next time that you come before God. And when you have this sort of feeling inside your soul that you are always eager, willing, ready. In fact, you look forward and enjoy coming before God. Then you are fulfilling the physical part of the evidence of holiness. And if you don't find that in your life, if you only come because, you know, you come because you are being forced, you haven't been in church for three weeks or two, so let me just go one for appearance's sake. But it has become something that is tiresome, difficult, like a job for you. Don't enjoy it. Presenting your body before God, then you cannot claim, you cannot claim to be holy because to start with, you, you, you are failing. You failed the physical part already. Praise the Lord. For that reason, the writer of Hebrews says, we should therefore not forsake. We shouldn't forsake. We shouldn't take ourselves out. We shouldn't absent ourselves from the assembling together of ourselves. The assembling together. As is the manner of some of you. As the manner of some, some people think that oh, coming to church is only just going, going and just go to church and come home. No, it is not as simple as that. If you really are consecrated and the evidence of holiness is seen in you, you will not, never want to miss presenting your body to God as a living sacrifice. Amen. Now, there's also a rational aspect. There's a thinking part. Apart from the physical part presenting yourself, there's also a rational where you reason. You reason about it. 
reason about it. And this reasoning, reasoning must lead you to so that you must respond to his truth, grace, and mercy. You reason the same way as when somebody gives you a very big gift. When he gives you something that is valuable, a very valuable gift. You see, you reason that this gift is so valuable that first thing tomorrow morning, by 6 a.m., I must call the person and thank him for the gift of the previous day. And therefore, though normally you wake up at 7 o'clock, that day, the next day, by 5.30, you wake up because you don't want to miss it. And you call the person and say, I'm calling to thank you for that you gave me yesterday. You have reasoned. You thought about it. And you have appreciated it. Therefore, that action that you are taking is not somebody forcing you. It didn't come from nowhere, but out of your reasoning, out of your thinking, out of your mind. So, the Bible says that because of God's mercies, truth, and because of His gifts that they are giving us, your reasonable response your reasonable response is, Lord, I therefore give back to you everything that I have, everything that is in me. So that is your reasonable service. That's the meaning of which is your reasonable service. You have thought about it and you have come to that conclusion. Therefore, no one can tell you anything different. You have thought about it, you have analyzed it, rationalized it, and arrived at that conclusion. And you decide that because of what God has done for you, by His mercy, truth, and by His grace, you are also, all your life, you are going to do this as a response. You are going to reciprocate what God has done for you in your own human way. Praise the Lord. So that's a rational aspect. So serving God, holiness is not just something that comes, <coughs> excuse me, anyhow, but for you to pursue and maintain holiness, it involves a lot of thinking, a lot of rational analysis. Otherwise, you fail. Otherwise, it becomes unsustainable. You can't keep it up. After a while, you get tired. And I see that happening in many Christians. They begin so well, but after a while, they begin to get weak. Weak knees, weak arms. Any new thing that happens in their life, whether, even, whether a blessing or a challenge, whether that thing is a blessing or a challenge, once it's a new thing, it impacts negatively. That thing comes to impact negatively on their worship of God. And that tells me that person's holiness may not be optimal. It's not as God wants it to be. It is also emotional. 
It can also be emotional. There's also an emotional aspect. If, <laughs> if our sensitivity, the way we, we feel things, don't awaken to his loving kindness, and I've maybe mentioned it already, there should be an emotional aspect, a physical part, a rational part, and an emotional response. The response that you respond must be emotional. In presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, in thinking about it, there's also a very huge emotional part in the sense that you must have joy. You must feel happy. It's something that you must look up to. Look up to. I know that presently in this country, um, maybe very few watch our National League. Do you still have the National League at all? I don't think it's... Do they still play the National League? Kotoko, Hazakas, Bofakwa, are they still there? <laughs> but anytime I, I, I drive past, I see large screens and it's um, Aston Villa versus Liverpool and you see large crowd. Uh, when it's Manchester United versus uh, Liverpool, you see large crowd. Even here in Ghana. And they advertise it. They advertise it as soon as one match is over, they advertise the next one. And people look, people look forward to it. And when they go there, they stand. They don't, there are no seats. They stand. They stand for at least 90 minutes plus the half time is so 15 minutes. So it's 120 minutes, two hours. They stand. And they show their enjoyment emotionally. Emotionally. In the same way, uh, there's an, an emotional component, emotional part of the evidence of holiness to God. The evidence of holiness has a huge, large emotional component. Anything that you are emotionally attached to, you don't want to miss it. Anything that you are emotionally adherent or attached to, you never want to miss it. It's only when you find no joy in it, when you find it um, a job, difficult, then you, are, then you are emotionally happy to miss it. In the opposite, you are now emotionally happy to miss it. You only come as a duty when you think that you must show yourself because you've been today because you've been absent for three weeks. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it is also spiritual. So we talk about physical, rational, emotional, and now it is spiritual. Spiritual in the sense that it is the Holy Spirit reviving and renewing your spirit or our spirits. The spiritual aspect of holiness is that, in fact, it cannot happen, it cannot be, you cannot have it unless the Holy Spirit is present in you to revive, keeping alive 
rekindling or kindling the fire that goes with realizing God's loving kindness. Awakening you to the loving kindness of God. So the Holy Spirit plays a very vital role. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you may appear committed, but it is all physical. It's only physical. Or even emotional. And it's happening these days a lot of times in churches. People go there just for the emotional experiences. They go there physically by presenting. They go there with their bodies. But they go there to meet friends and to enjoy praise and worship. They go there for, for, for emotional experiences. But the spiritual part is missing and the reasonable part is missing. In other words, they go there for the wrong reasons. They go to church for the wrong reasons. And this spiritual part, this spiritual part of holiness issues from the new birth. In other words, it can only happen if you are born again. In other words, if you are not born again, you cannot be holy. Jesus said it in, in, in John chapter 3. This spiritual part issues out of the new birth. The new birth. And the new birth is an experience. The new birth is a, is a, is a, is a clear, you know, identifiable experience. You must have the new birth. We know that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, which we all know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, <coughs> is a new creation. It's <coughs> a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have passed away. And all things have now become new. All things have become new. So the, the act of consecration, before you became a believer, you are not consecrated. You are not going to church. You are not presented. If you, may, you may have been going to church, but going to church for the wrong reasons. So church, now, every time we come to church, remember that coming here may be evidence of your holiness. In, that, in other words, Physical, um, you come to present your body as a worship to God. Um, rational, you thought about it and you said that this is what I have to do in response to what God has done for me. And no one can take that away from you. There might be an emotional experience. That when we pray, you pray emotionally, you clap, you sing, you dance. Then the spiritual part which underlies it all, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the new birth. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A new birth experience. Just say amen to that. Now, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world. Romans 12, our text, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
but the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to the world. You cannot be holy or manifest. Church, you cannot. It is impossible to manifest or show the evidence of holiness if you conform yourself, you are conformed to this world. Because the world refers to the godless system. The world here is not just what we see, the physical things we see. The word, the word, the word world here refers to the system of godlessness. A system of non-worship of God. The Bible is here saying, do not, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed. Me that there are things, there are things that want to conform you. See? So you must not allow yourself to be conformed. Do not be conformed. Every, many of the things around us, you know, try to conform us to the world. Take note of that and, and be looking out for that. Many other things around us, things happening, things we see, things we hear, things we experience, tend, they have a tendency to conform us into the world of godlessness. The world of godlessness. The Bible says that, uh, but, but means that on the contrary, the contrary, be transformed. Now, well, you see, be transformed. Now, now, it's like you, you are being in the center. Some things are pulling you toward the world. And other things are pulling you away from the world. So, do not be conformed. It's, do not align yourself. Do not allow the forces that be uh, align you to the godlessness, godlessness of the world. But be transformed. Allow yourself to be changed. Transformation means change. Because we were all in the world before we became Christians. So we were all in conformity. We began life in conformity with the world. But now we need to be transformed. Change. Change into holy vessels, a life of righteousness, a life of purity, a life of holiness, a life of pure worship to God. And that involves transformation. And this transformation can only happen if you allow your mind to be renewed. Renewed. And that renewal comes with the word of God. With the word of God. Praise the Lord. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Making your mind new. In other words, getting rid of the old man and taking on the new man. There's an old and there's a new. The old man is conformed to the world. The new man is transformed away from the world system by the renewing of your mind, the renewing of our minds. 
And when you do that, he said that you may prove. That is the only way that you can live a life of holiness, produce the evidence of holiness. And when you get to that point, when you get to that point, the Bible says that you may prove, now you may show for or receive or benefit, that you may prove. Here means that, that you may receive, that you may, you, you, you may have that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Because there's a will of God for each and every one of us. The will of God is there for all of us. The general will and the special will. The general will is God's will for all of us. Special will or specific will is the will of God concerning you as an individual. Concerning you as an individual. But how do you prove this will? How do you receive this will? Everybody, at least all Christians, want to know the will of God for their lives. They all want to know what God's will is for their lives. We have the answer here. And I've always said that the will of God is the word of God. The will of God for you is the word of God written for you. Therefore, you don't need to search for You don't need to go looking or going to see some prophets or prophetess or anyone. Because it's been given to us free of charge. The will of God for you and for me is the word of God. But then how do you prove it? Because it is good. It is acceptable. And it is perfect. The Bible says that it is good. It is acceptable. And that will is perfect. And then, that means that you must desire it. You must want it. You must have it. You must have it. How do you get it? By being transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you now become a holy vessel, righteous and pure. Very simple. When you get to that point, church, you don't need you don't need to be told or given a list of things that God has willed for you. You don't need to do that. You just stay in holiness, stay in purity and righteousness, and God's will begins to happen to you as and when it is necessary. They will come to you, God, then God's responsibility will be to make sure that His will will come to you when and where they are necessary. You don't need to worry about what is it for my life. Because that will is good, perfect, and acceptable. Praise the Lord. Let's all clap our hands for Jesus. So, a renewed mind, a renewed mind, therefore, is a mind committed to the things and ideals of God through Christ Jesus. A renewed mind is a mind that is geared at holiness. And this is a mind that is committed. That mind is committed, is attached 
is strongly adherent to the ideals and things of God through Christ Jesus. And as I've said, and this is the only this is the only means by which you can test and prove that God's will for us is good and acceptable and perfect. And this fact does not fail. It's a foolproof fact. It has no margin of error. It is sure. It's here and amen. Praise the Lord. When we go to Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, verses 24-32, we will go through a list of some things, specific things. We know them already. But now and then we need to remind ourselves of these things. And to be consciously aware that these things must be seen in our lives as evidence of holiness. If indeed we have the new birth, if indeed we have the Holy Spirit in us, if indeed we, we are offering to God a reasonable service. So Ephesians 4 Verses 24 to 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 24 to 32. Ephesians from verse 24 says, And that you put on the new man, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Look at this. The Bible is saying that you and I must put on a new man. Just as God created us before sin even came to the world. Just as God wants us to be. How God made us. And that you put on a new man which was created according to God. In true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness. Verse 25. Therefore, now, when you have 24, having fulfilled 24, then now, therefore, putting away lying, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. At least, you speak the truth to your brother or your sister. Ideally, speak the truth. To everybody, always speak the truth. Always speak the truth. Put away lying. Every time you lie, you manifest the evidence of unholiness. Unholiness. So it doesn't matter what it will cost you. It doesn't matter what it will mean to you. You just speak, speak the truth. Speak the truth. The truth is one. And the truth it's the same. The truth does not change. It's because if you lie today, tomorrow you may, for, you may forget the lie that you told today. Then when you ask the same question, you may give a different answer. But when you speak the truth, the truth is one. And doesn't matter how long after, you always say the same thing. That is evidence of holiness. Putting away lying Speaking the truth. Church, is that clear to all of us enough? Hello? Like I said, 
Things around us, things we see, we hear, we feel, tend to, con- tend to conform us to the world, to make us t- tell lies. Don't forget that. Things in, in the world make us want to tell lies. So that you may survive. So that you may get through. So that you may get what you want. But you just speak the truth because it's God who will reward you. I mean, if you are righteous before God, you are, you are a holy one before God, separated unto God. God will not put you to shame. God will never put you to shame. Verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Anger is an emotional response, an emotional reaction to some things. Be angry. You can get angry. But when you are angry, don't sin. And do not let the sun go down on your, on your wrath. Be angry. But immediately calm down. Let the anger evaporate. Get over the anger. Don't keep the anger in you. Because anger is always against somebody. Anger is not just anger. But you are angry with somebody. Or you are angry against somebody. And if you keep that anger in you. For long, unnecessarily, you may end up committing a sin. You may end up doing something uh, sinful, born out of that anger. So yes, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let that anger make you sin. And don't let that anger stay with you to the next day, or even to the evening. The twenty seven said, "Nor give place to the devil." This is a huge statement. No, give play to the devil. There's a lot we can say about this. But mean that you must not do anything that will allow the devil to overcome you or to have dominion over you. Don't do anything that will empower the devil to have dominion over you. Now, you by one thing you must not do you must not stray. Never stray into the world of the devil. Don't ever stray from the right hand or the left hand to the left hand, but stay on course. Don't go off course. Don't give the devil any place. Don't give the Bible says, don't give the devil any opportunity. The devil is an opportunist. And if you give him any chance, he will Capitalize on it. You take advantage of it. So, nor give place to the devil. Don't give the devil any opportunity. Don't give the devil any opportunity. Let him who stole steal no longer. So, if you are a Christian and you are stealing, telling lies, then you are not. You are not. You are not being holy. Be deceiving yourself if you say things like that. You are not. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor. Working with his own, working with his hands what is good. That he may have something to give him who has need. When you go home, meditate on these scriptures. Let him who stole steal no longer. Now stop stealing. Don't steal anymore. Don't. Don't um, um, deceive to make profit. 
Don't deceive to, 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 to earn money, to get something. Don't steal anymore. Let him... Now there were those who were, there were some who were stealing before. Not all of us. There were some who were stealing. But having become holy, let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor. Labor means hard work. If it means to work hard. Work hard. Work hard. <laughs> Working with his hands, what is good? It's not all work that is good. It's not every work that is good. That he may have something to give him who has need. Working with his hands, what is good? Many years ago, when I was a young man in secondary school, we, we, had, we used to have long vacation, starting from June to September. Long vacation. And uh, three, four months we had home before we start the first term the next year. And there is what we call vacation jobs. Vacation jobs. And the companies were hiring students. Vacation jobs. Two, three months. And if we didn't have a vacation job, it became, it became very boring. Staying at home, doing nothing for three, four months. So, my friend and I decided to go job hunting. Though they used to go job hunting, just go looking for a job. And we were ready to do anything because we need money. We need money. So, we were ready to do anything. And went to this man who worked at the license office. And he said, well, he could not employ us at the license office, DVLA, but he had a block factory. Love factory where the Kandeshi market is now. There, there was no market there. So it was like a night, day and night market. And he had a block factory. That time, this mechanized block factory had just been started in Ghana. So he went, he said, oh, we'll do it. He went there. And we found, in fact, we found the laborers, macho men who were laborers. Many of them were Malians and from Niger, Burkina Faso. When you see their muscles and their height, and we are students, we are from three, from two, from three, and we are come to do block block work with them. So when we told them we are secondary school, they said no. They couldn't believe that we are secondary school students. No, no secondary school student will do that that job. He said we are students. They said no, no, we can't. He said okay, now let's get on with it. And I tell you, that block factory work, well, for us, for us. I don't know that they were like, you know, <laughs> and they were paying us daily. But the money was good because we couldn't have gotten that money at home. They give us the money, you were paying us by day. And as soon as we got our money for a day, you know, straight to the night market. We closed at about 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening to the night market. We we'll buy rice with eggs, beef, macaroni. You know, we spent about half of the money, you know, but at least uh, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the fruit of our labor. <laughs> and then, most of the rest of the money we used to, for transportation home and back. So we come back to work the next day, broke again. That's when I realized that when, when, uh, six inches solid blocks, when they announced that tomorrow we are going to make six inches solid blocks, that day won't go. 
Because six inches solid blocks, they are as heavy as a mountain. So we only, we only go when we're making five inches or hollow blocks. After two weeks, we, we gave up. <laughs> we, we, couldn't, we couldn't cope. Praise the Lord. But I remember because when I think of it, I say, how, many, how many young men today in secondary school, JHS, SHS, who need money and get a job offer in a block factory? Who do it for even one day? They need money, but will they do it for one day? Not many. Some will do it, but not many. And we're able to do it for, I think, two or three weeks. And we're going there from Osu, Kaneshi, Osu to Kaneshi, long distance, not just next door. But Bible said, you know, labor, labor. And I'm saying because I look now back at that experience, and it was good training, good training for me. Church, clap your hands for Jesus. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Holiness, evidence. Let no, not a single corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary education, ed, sorry, edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. The word that comes out of mouth, it should not be corrupt, not bad words, not cursing, not insulting, not wishing people bad things, but what is good for necessary edification, building up, what will build somebody, I want to encourage somebody, edification, so that it may impart grace to the hearers. Those who hear it will see that, yes, they, they've heard some, some wise things. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for a day of redemption. There's no, there's, I cannot, so much I can say about that. I don't want to go there. But do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because he is your seal for a day of redemption. If you grieve him, now don't make the Holy Ghost angry. Don't make him sad. Don't sadden the Holy Spirit. Don't make the Spirit of God sad. Because He is the one who is going to be your guarantee. He's going to guarantee you for a day of, of judgment. And if you make Him sad or grieve Him, on that day, He will not be there for you. He will not be there for you. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for a day of redemption. Verse 31. Let all bitterness, bitterness, you are bitter, wrath, anger, clamor is quarreling, and evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice, no malice. Here, Bible says, bitterness must not be seen in a holy person. You are bitter. Bitterness. Wrath. Wrath is extreme anger that usually leads to action. Wrath leads to action. Anger, we have mentioned already. Now, clamor is quarreling. Usually loud quarreling. Quarreling. Fighting. Whether the person is an unbeliever or a believer, fighting. 
were still fighting with your, your spouse, your wife or your, your husband. Quarreling with your children. Clamor, that's quarreling. And evil speaking, you put away from you with all malice. Then finally, and be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Kindness. Not wickedness. Kindness. Tender hearted. A soft heart. Very soft heart. Not a very hard heart. Your heart, nothing can touch your heart. You don't have any compassion for anybody. Your heart is hard, hard. Hard heart. You don't feel for anybody. You don't even feel for yourself. Much less for anybody. So kindness. Tender hearted. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave us. Forgiving one another. Even as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. So, and be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. When you go home, look up these scriptures and meditate on them. Think about them. Evidence of holiness. We've been looking at the evidence of holiness. Because without holiness, you cannot make it to heaven. And that's why God has given us everything that we need to, to live holy lives. Everything that we need. Evidence of holiness. This is part one. We'll continue next week, part two. Amen. Thank you for participating in this teaching service. We believe you have been blessed by the word. You're welcome to visit us at Emma Community 5 of PV or being run about. God bless you and we hope to see you next Tuesday.